where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces the notion of polygamy. Where a man in Islam is allowed to marry more than one wife or up to four wives. Now, right off the bat, many of the people will tell you this law has already expired. Such law should no longer exist. And on the other hand, others have misused their, this law or this permission given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within different societies or cultures. So it keeps this permission given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a misunderstood permission. But let us understand that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces a law or a regulation, this law and regulation cannot be manufactured for one person only. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibits drinking. You cannot drink. Not even a small cup, not even a dot of alcohol. Some people might tell you, but this law shouldn't be applicable to everyone because the idea is not being intoxicated, right? I don't want to be intoxicated. Islam is against intoxication. But believe me, if I drink a cup, nothing's going to happen. If I drink a glass of, for example, beer or wine or whatever it may be, it doesn't affect me, not even a bit. So imagine if Allah came and said, look, go observe yourself. If, it, if you get intoxicated by one glass or one cup or one bottle, then that's haram for you. You should drink half. Others who don't get intoxicated so quickly, they can drink up to two cups, one bottle, whatever it may be. No. Islam is not going to make regulations and laws for one type of individuals. Islam, when it regulates or creates a law, it's for all societies at all times. All the residents of the earth, the entire population. Yes, today when I look at myself and I look at my family, I say, there is no need for polygamy. But what about, for example, a country like Iraq? where it has one million widows, one million, and five million orphans. Six million people are in need of a home, are in need of a fatherly figure, are in need of someone to take care of them. Now, without emotions and biases, let's think about this. What's going to happen to all those women who do not have somebody to support them? Some of them can take care of themselves, some of them have fathers, some of them have uncles, some of them... But what about the majority of them who do not have anybody to take care of them? And what's going to happen to those children who live out in the street, who look at other children and they have parents, they have clothes, they have shoes, they have food, they have security, but they have nothing. So we stand firmly against polygamy, yet those children are the ones that are going to be part and parcel of this society. 20 years from now, they're going to be the criminals within that society because that's what they grew up with. Poverty, anger, depression. 
anger towards everything. They don't deserve a fatherly figure, somebody who can take care of them. So Islam has given a permission for those capable to extend their borders of family to another family who have lost, for example, a woman who has lost her husband. Another selfish issue here that I want to talk about in a country, for example, like Lebanon or a country like Iraq now, a lot of people who are losing, a lot of the women who are losing their husbands, why are they losing their husband? What? What is it? Is it mass illnesses? No. It's because they allowed, she allowed her husband to walk out of that door and to go fight ISIS so that you can live in security. So that you can, you and your children can live in peace. Same thing with a lot of the mothers and a lot of the wives in Lebanon during the war. While you held on to your husband and your son, some of those mothers, some of those wives were not so selfish. She said to him, I allow you to go. Defend this land. Defend our freedom. Defend our honor. Defend our dignity. Keep us as honorable human beings. وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ or else, if ISIS were to come to your town, then every woman will be taken as captives and slaves. Then they'll be sold in the slavery market. Now, when this woman has nobody to take care of her, and the Quran regulates a law so that if she desires a second marriage, she can. She may be able to. So what I'm trying to say is when we look at one ayah from the Qur'an or we read one ayah from the Qur'an, we should not jump to conclusions immediately. And I'll get to that. That this is a law only for, for men to have fun. No. Indeed, it's not that. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam who was the exemplary figure and he illustrated and demonstrated the verses of the Quran. Every single woman that he married was either older than him or widowed. And her husband had died at, at a war. Rasulullah never married a woman because she was young and he was getting old. Never married a woman because he was the one that chased her and said, you know what, because you're so beautiful, I want to marry you. Out of lust or out of worldly desires. Of course, I tell you, the reason why this law is so misunderstood, it's because it has been abused by a lot of Muslim men. Because if he were to marry, he's not going to go and marry a widow, for example, who's in need of support. He's not going to go and marry somebody that's, for example, his age or older than him if he's in his 50s. He's going to go marry somebody young, somebody beautiful. And what happens? We'll come to the second ayah that I want to talk about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 129 says, You cannot establish equality between women. But you must strive. To establish that equality amongst 
the, for example, two or three wives that you have. And this is the most overlooked ayah by every man that has married more than one wife. And that is why this law and this permission is so defamed. It's so misunderstood. What do I mean? The guy, for example, he's 40, 50, 60 years old, sometimes 70, and he goes and marries a young lady, his wife who's endured all those difficulties, all those years of hardship, she's given him children, she married him when he was poor, he didn't have anything, now that he has money, he goes and marries a younger wife. Then what happens? Then, throughout the year, he's in a constant honeymoon with this woman. If he were to buy, he buys for her. If he were to vacation, he vacations with her. If he were to laugh, he laughs with her. If he were to go out to a restaurant, he goes out with her. Everything is now with her. And this poor woman who endured all those years, the pain and the misery and the difficulties, and giving birth and raising the children is now forgotten. So people say, look at Islam, look at the injustice. This is not Islam. And this person is not implementing the laws of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold this man accountable just like any person who has done zulm or injustice. And this is pure injustice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you cannot be just in what way? In a way that, listen, it's difficult. Sometimes you have two people who you're involved with. You may, through your heart, desire one over another, but make sure that is not shown. Make sure that is not felt. Make sure that is not observed. There has to be equality. The ulama say even up to the hour. If you spend six hours here, you have to spend six hours here. You take one wife for a vacation, you have to take the other one. This one has a castle, the other one is in a small apartment. That's not how it works. The fuqaha have spoken extensively of how is it that one can implement adalah, justice and equality within the family.